0: Rather than treating the performance issue, which is the kind of those symptomology things, what's going on behind the scenes brought out a whole new issue. That's not a performance issue. That's just one woman got way too many things on her plate.
1: That was John Robertson, founder and president of Fort Log Services. John is a workforce wellness expert and a cultural alignment specialist. He has over 30 years of experience in crisis intervention. I'm your host, marie Lynn In this episode, we're going to talk about resolving root workplace causes of crisis, as opposed to treating crisis. Welcome to the show, John.
0: My pleasure to be here, and I really want to thank you, marie for allowing me to be one of your guests, so thank you.
1: John, you're a culture alignment specialist. What is a culture alignment? alignment specialist
0: the easiest way to describe it is picture thy workplace as a rowboat and when we don't have people and i'm not a rower but when we don't have people in sync rowing to the same rhythm the organization will not go forward at a reasonable speed never mind in the right direction and so what i do is help leaders personnel and the organization get an alignment to grow forward.
1: John, can you define crisis situations and can you give us some examples?
0: I can give you lots of examples, but the first thing, and this is where a lot of misinterpretation and or harm can happen, is please, listeners, please remember, the event is never the real crisis. And so One of the things that happens is we think of a crisis as a tornado, as a disaster, as some kind of significant natural event, or COVID is a perfect example. But because the event is never the real crisis, it could be layoffs in the company, the terminal diagnosis of a beloved cared for employee, it could be the death of a loved one, but it also could be... Divorce, empty nesting. There's all kinds of different ways to define crises. And the problem is they all impact a human's head in the game when it comes to work.
1: So you help organizations resolve what you call root workplace causes of crises, as opposed to treating crises. Can you give us some examples of root workplace causes of crises?
0: I'm actually going to illustrate it with an example. So Marianne was an administrator in the kind of HR niche, but not an HR professional. And she was one of those ones. When it came to performance review, she exceeded everything. She was your stellar employee. Everybody wanted Marianne to work in their department. Then we got COVID and so they were sent home, then they came back, and then they went home again, and then they came back. When she came back to work, Marianne was not head in the game. She was very snippy or edgy or whatever term you want me to use. Her performance dramatically dropped. She was leaving right at the finishing minute. So if she was allowed to leave, officially at 4.30. At 4.29, she was packed, ready to leave. And I got a phone call from a friend, like a friend of the president director, can you help? And I said, sure. Long story short, I was allowed to end up meeting with Marianne and nobody had asked her To describe the symptoms that they were seeing, so when she left, she was this kind of performance, and when she's coming back, this is what we're seeing. Marianne, what's going on? I'm not interested in performance. I don't care about any of that stuff. What's going on? Then she proceeded to tell her husband fell, broke his hip. Couldn't get the surgery done. The employer for the husband wanted him on long-term disability off their payroll. Her mom got dementia and put fifteen thousand dollars eavesdrops on her oh, house. Good grief. And, Yeah, exactly. And normal eavesdrops cost about three thousand. And her brother was diagnosed with a brain tumor and. Th- Two or three months later, he died, and they were not allowed to have a funeral because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And her son, teenage high school, was battling mental health issues and had attempted suicide twice, but she could not get help. So, rather than treating the performance issue, which is the kind of those symptomology things, what's going on behind the scenes brought out a whole new issue. That's not a performance issue. That's just one woman got way too many things on her plate. So there's her, there's another couple that they were going through some marital, for lack of better words, discord. They weren't fighting to get a divorce like at that point, but they were definitely headed that way, both impacting the workplace. And rather than treating the symptoms of performance, taking the conversation away from performance and saying, okay, what's going on? I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just a caring human being who works with you. What am I seeing? What's happened?
1: So I think part of the problem is, you know, managers are not necessarily trained to do that. Or some may say they don't have the time To attend to each employee, and especially if employees do not open up,
0: right? 100%. And what you put your finger on is time. Mm -hmm. And because time is a commodity, once spent, it's never recovered. We have to choose what the values are that we are going to spend our time doing. So does busy in that person, your workplace, does busy mean important? And sometimes busy is doing the unimportant because the important is not urgent. You know, the best way, Marie Lynn, that I can describe this is a lot of people bought into that false premise of, I have an open door. You're welcome to come and talk to me. We've taught people not to use four-letter words. Help is a four-letter word. I'm not going into your office even if the door is open. You as a leader, I as a leader, we build trust by walking around, by touching in on people, by taking whatever, 10 minutes, half an hour. And if we do it for the supervisors, the supervisors do it for the next level, and the next level does it for frontline. I don't need to have the time to do it for all the frontline. Do you follow me?
1: Of course. But it and does need to come from upper up, if I may say, because managers have also very strict guidelines and, and they have goals to meet. And so it is important up. for them, for the employees to produce and, and do their work. And they don't necessarily have the time to meet with employees and talk to them. And so it does need to come from upper management, if you will.
0: Yes, it does. And what you put your finger on is, in a different way of viewing it, is I can focus in on that person's performance and try and get their KPIs or their objectives met. But everybody knows that a healthy, engaged employee will produce more than a person who is what I call a paycheck player, who is just there to check the boxes and not do the extra citizenship behaviors.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's tons of research. and Oh, tons of it. Yeah, about that. So you say that you don't want to reinvent the mental health wheel, but you want to implement actionable problem-solving strategies to gain results. Can you give us, once again, a specific example of those strategies?
0: Many people think that if I unplug from work, I will recharge. That is the same thinking as saying we can put our cell phones on airplane mode to recharge them, to recharge. So therefore, for a human being to thrive, not just be resilient, but actually thrive, we got to stop with this treating injured, treating ill, treating sick and start thinking about, okay, what am I plugged into? What's going to charge my battery? What's going to energize me so that I have enough battery charge to do some of the things that, you know, I'm not on the top 10 list. For example, doing, I'm picking on home now, but doing dishes, making beds, vacuuming, those kinds of things. When we're tired, We don't do that stuff. When we have a charge in our battery, we will do it, most of us, not because it's something we've always dreamed of doing, but because we know we like to eat off clean dishes. We know we like to sleep in a clean bed. In the workplace, it's the exact same principle of helping people – think about what they're doing with their free time, stepping away from work. I am not, I am not, and I will say it a third time, I am not saying take up smoking. But smokers do three things that if we're going to be healthy and thrive, we have to learn. Number one, they take a break. They literally take a break. Number two, They're doing deep breathing exercises. I'm not getting into what they're inhaling, but they are doing deep breathing exercises. And every stress relaxation technique teaches us breathing first. And the third thing is smokers are outside with social support. So if I'm doing that to smoke, and I'm not a smoker, but if I'm doing that to smoke, I'm deep breathing, taking a break, and I'm surrounding myself with social support. Isn't that good enough for my mental health, well-being, and for me to thrive? Same principles.
1: What a fantastic analogy! Now, I want to ma- <laughs> now- <laughs> make sure I want to make sure our <laughs> listeners understand: we're not supporting smoking. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and that's why I prefaced it. I am not saying, but you know, Marilyn, we're joking about it. But if that's good enough for me to smoke and inhale that stuff, why do we think that I need to work harder? I'll take a break later. I mean, we've got the cart before the horse, and that only works when you're going downhill.
1: You say that leadership people can photo through storms. What do you mean by that?
0: I call it the hot water teabag moment. If we want to find out what's important to a person or an organization, put them in hot water. Just like a teabag, what's inside always leaks out so on one side of the river of crisis fear change whatever we want to call that on one side we can be a good person we can be ethical we can be kind of a 10 commandments we don't lie we don't steal we do those kinds of good things but on the other side we have that what i call a shepherd leader that person who is walking the talk that people can trust and follow. They may not always like them, but they can trust them, respect them and follow them. And they have courage. They have credibility. They have, I love the old English word of countenance. It's that inside quality that says, this is really ugly, but, we will get through it. We are going to be okay. It's called the Stockdale Paradox by Jim Collins in his good to great book, but countenance. And then we also have to have credibility and character and to be that kind of leader that people can follow through storms, being good isn't going to work. We have to be that trustable, respectable, followable even if at times we're not likable, but people can turn their back on us.
1: So what advice do you have for HR professionals who are facing crises in their organizations? Evidently, the term crises is quite broad here.
0: And I'm laughing as you're asking this because there's a part of me that says, again, I am not asking anybody to take up smoking. However, for those HR professionals Please, please, please take a smoke break. Not take up smoking, but take the principle. Do some deep breathing. Take some social support. And group what's going on right now into three to four areas. And I can't remember who it was or where I read it. But it's that urgent and important. And group the crises, the stone in the shoe, into is this important and urgent? Is this important but not urgent? Is this not important, not urgent? And the fourth quadrant. But the two to focus in on are important, not urgent, and urgent and important. And just group them and to say, okay, you know, Billy Bob or Susan Q was diagnosed with cancer. It's terminal. Everybody loves him or her. That's a crisis that's important and it's urgent. So what are the best tactics to deal with that? One of the things that happens, and I see it all the time because I love serving HR people. One of the things that happens is they call an EAP, Employee Assistance Program. And EAP professionals don't know the depth of love or respect people have for that person. Please, please, please don't pat them on the head and give them just somebody who does an official intervention. Have that conversation with them to say, okay, what can we do? How can we talk about it? Because there's no fix. Be like the smokers outside with social support just talking about it. And then what can I do as the HR professional? What is one thing I can do to help support people and then start doing it? Otherwise, it's just a deer in the headlights and it just becomes, everything becomes urgent. And as a result, nothing gets done.
1: So, John, you're the founder and president of Fort Log Services. What do you do?
0: I enjoy working with mid-senior leaders to help them transform that traditional crisis response, because many times the traditional crisis response, there's an event, there's an intervention, then there's some form of transfer of information like a program, and then dissension results, and then there's another intervention. What I do is like working with those mid-seniors, create the culture where people want to work, trustable leaders, that people want to follow. And give people the opportunity to thrive.
1: So, I'm curious, where did you get your name, the name of your company from? Why Fort Log?
0: Fort is a safe place in the frontier. You got to know where you're going because to grow forward, we can't know exactly where we're going to go. So, you got to build that safe place for others to come to be safe. But the flip side is for others to follow, they need to have a log, a journal, something they can sail the seas to go with you. So, Fort Log.
1: Thanks, John, for your insights on resolving root workplace causes of crises.
0: I'm so grateful for allowing, be part of serving your listeners, and I hope that they will be challenged, but also encouraged to do one thing, including looking after themselves so thank you breeland
1: support for this show comes from western carolina university a campus of the university of north carolina system with the technical assistance of kelly minnis